Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast. This is the Back of the Bus Session. Hello, and this is the Old Farm Bus, Back of the Bus Sessions podcast today. I'm absolutely buzzing. I've got a new mate with me. You really are my mate. So I'm <laughs> going to introduce you with Dominique Parlett from Warriors. Yay! Yeah. Good morning! <laughs> How are you doing, lovely? Yeah, really good. I'm so excited to be here. This place is amazing. It's been awesome, hasn't it? We've had a, a pretty long chat together, me, you and your partner. Yeah. I feel like we've we've connected. Totally. I feel like we connected before I even got here, but like even more now. <laughs> I really enjoy you saying that. And Dominique, I've been, well, you've been following the bus thing, yeah. what we're up to. We've been following the Warriors. I, at the start of doing these podcasts, I tried to talk about everyone's accolades. Yeah. Do you know when they do that big build up in the intro? Yeah. They've done this and they've done that. <laughs> and I think I didn't do it justice. <laughs> I wasn't very good at it. I'd slip over and then I'd just keep on going and I think it wasn't right. So yeah. I try and let the, the guest talk about what they do and then we'll build from there and get into the meat of it all. Yeah, that sounds So cool. what is it that you do? So basically Warriors is predominantly a, a community project. So it started really locally here in Derbyshire, but now it's there's, these projects are running all over the UK. We've been to Europe. I've even been to Hollywood, which was nice. No way. Yeah. It's you been, were there? Yeah, yeah. Like in Los Angeles. With Warriors? Uh, yeah, well, we went. I went out to film like the first... That's my first goosebump kind of, like, moment. <laughs> <laughs> so like when I first started um there wasn't many plus size fitness instructors around like it just wasn't a thing it was still kind of like one particular body shape both women and men were under that incredible pressure to look a certain way in the fitness industry and I came and um when I first started I was a a big like a big girl and uh, very proud of myself I'd never even looked at myself before in that way I was just so oblivious to everything I was just like yeah this is amazing and uh went out started teaching little you know fitness classes with nine people in and uh, it wasn't long before all that trolling started on social media people were like taking pictures of me saying like who would go to her class and but this is how it was you know this was this was how the the industry was um um, where were we in in so yeah. this is like 2015, so right, it's okay. not even that, Whoa, long, that yeah. long away really, but well, I suppose it is now, isn't it? <laughs> I forget how old I'm getting. <laughs> I'm joining you, <laughs> we're going together. <laughs> but yeah, so that happened and, um, you know, I was a bit like, oh, oh wow, what, like, I wasn't expecting this, but it was the best thing that ever happened because I went back onto that post, it was on a spotted Facebook so many people like so many people there was so many mixed kind of feelings people but the main thing there was that feelings were happening mm. and I was like hold on something big's happening here so I waited for it to all just go and I just put underneath that's me and if I can do it anyone can so come and join me and we turned up on the Thursday and usually nine people and there was like 45 people oh, queuing my, to you, get in wow. <laughs> just went overnight and that was the the big start of it so whoever posted that like I wish I could meet them and buy them a pint <laughs> mate <laughs> So, so you yeah. turned your pain into yeah. something else. Totally. It or was it pain even? Or do you yeah, it, quite it callous to stuff like that? I think, to be honest, at first I was a bit like, <gasps> ouch. Because I'd never really been spoken about on the internet in that way. Yeah. It never happened to me. So at first I was like, <sighs> but then I thought, hang on a minute. There's loads of other women, because I just had a baby. Loads of women have just had babies. Loads of women are feeling like this at leisure centres with spotlights and mirrors and, mm. you know, all of this. And I thought, 
no, I'm going to turn the lights off and I'm going to put some disco lights in and uh, get rid of the mirrors and we're just going to all jump around and, and make this happen. Wow. And that was the birth of, of Warriors. That's how it started. <laughs> this, this is incredible. I'm excited about this already. Thank you. So what was that first big class like? It was amazing. I can still remember the first time that Warriors came out of my mouth because it was just called Thermo Vibe Fitness. It was just... Thermo Vibe? Yeah, Thermo Vibe. So it was all to do with like, I just thought, oh, the word Thermo, heat, it's a bit of a vibe. And, you know, I just I don't really think about things too much. I just <laughs> I just go with it. And um, what I like about your character. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to know. So excited Just go. <laughs> <laughs> but like we've got... The studio that was in at the time still had the mirrors and I was like looking into the mirror, just looking at everyone and I could see like the emotion coming out because mm. I was getting them to like go, ah, and all this roaring was just coming from nowhere. And I was watching these women just doing, it was a lot more than a fitness class. And I was like, yeah, there's something big happening here. Wow. Um, and then I started to think while I was teaching, like what, what, how did they get here? What are they fighting? What's going through their mind? And I just shouted, warriors. Oh, and I was like, mate. wow, that was awesome. That felt so good. And that, that was the, the same day. That was like, That's like okay. Sparta, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Sparta. <laughs> and, oh, um, but they reacted in the same way. And then I found myself saying it more through that hour. I remember driving home. I'd got like my little baby in a carry, you know, little yeah. chair, the thing that goes in the car. And yeah, I was just like. I'm going to call this Warriors because I feel like everybody's fighting something in that room. Mm. And then that's kind of like when the whole thing just, just changed. Um, On a different trajectory. It was just totally there. Totally. Wow. And uh, that's when I realised that actually when people go to the fitness industry, if we think about that first point, like they're trying to change themselves. Mm. But actually no one really needs to change themselves we need to celebrate ourselves so i thought this is the perfect place to find the lost people who actually need to love themselves as they are don't do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow um why do you think people are in that place because it is a common theme and a commonality between people why don't we feel like we're enough I think that, um, like I say, social media has got a lot to do with this because I always think, you know, if social media wasn't there, I mean, we can barely remember life without social media. But if you think about your house to begin with, so when you decorate your house, years gone by, you decorated your house for yourself and for your family. Mm. Well, the first thing you do when you decorate your room now is you take a photo and put it on social media. Mm. So it starts with your house, your fashion, your finances, and all of these pressures that were already there have now been amplified to mm. the fact that we're almost public catalogs like we're all living this vogue magazine lifestyle so when you then go a little bit further into people you know that's the exterior but their feelings you know we've always got to be positive and what I think is that do you know something it's not possible to constantly be positive even though I'm the most exciting person like I'm excited all the time yeah I'm like a roller coaster and roller coasters go down too mm. so I think that the reason that people are under this pressure is because we're trying to achieve unrealistic goals mm. in every aspect I, I learned it on a similar measure do you know that roller coaster yeah. idea my friend said it in the term of being on a wave, but usually I'm going up and then I'm just crashing and yeah. going far below. 
but the art is to just wait, wave it down and totally. ride it exactly. and go with it. And then you're coming back up and it's sort of trying to be consistent and content. Yeah. But then enjoy the highs when they're there. But your lows just don't have to be so low anymore. Exactly. And I think it's important to know that the low is going to come. Yeah. Um, and I know we were talking about banter and joking and things like that before. And my team, that's kind of like our energy. My, my team know me better than I do. Yeah. So we know when there's like a really big, overproductive, really exciting time <laughs> of life, what's <laughs> We're gonna get on, dude. <laughs> We're gonna be mates. Yeah, <laughs> such the same person. Yeah, and I must admit, I still do have them days where I let myself crash it by totally. accident or whatever. But it is human, isn't it? And it comes with being creative. Yeah, you know. And I think sometimes you can the best projects and the best work comes from that downtime. So you know, if we can view it as okay, this is just part of who I am. Yeah. What can come from this too? And maybe then... unhealed trauma in there somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Working on your shit. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, when I meet people like you. And that hasn't been that often, to be honest. <laughs> Not enough. Um, there usually is like a, a humongous story over here because for that person that, you know, was trolled, yeah. a lot of people just then turn away from it, mm-hmm. think, oh, it's not my thing, I'll just go on living. Yeah. And they go in that uncomfort, but they can live with it. Yes. You faced it, and then you really want to help people with it and serve and do your best for helping. Exactly. So... Is there a big story back here that yeah. we could just get into a little bit? Because yeah. I, I do think people doing phenomenal things, there's something attached to it. I totally agree with you. And I think you're right. Like when you meet people who are living extraordinary lives, it's because they've been through extraordinary things. Yeah. Um, for me, like my, I still remember the day that my life changed. I was living, well, hang on a minute. Was I living a normal life? I don't know. Because my mum was a musician. Um, my dad was a travel agent. There was a massive age difference with them. And, but everything was fine. You know, we were really archetypal. Like yeah. what you'd think of a family household to be like. I holidays think so. and Well, we never went on holidays. So mm-hmm. I've never, as a child, never went on holiday um apart from one little mini trip to wales to meet my granddad which that that's 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 just one of the best memories of my life but um yeah we never really did things like that so we but we had loads of parrots randomly (laughs) so we just had like 30 parrots and i learned how to like hand rear them and stuff so that was exciting but the day my 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 life changed i remember it really really well mm-hmm. and uh, we'd been to Morrison's and my dad had had a Cornish pasty so for years after this I thought there was I thought Cornish pasties were like really dangerous things wow. yeah. <laughs> um, and he took ill that day ended up in hospital with septicemia and um, this is sort of when it all started to you know to mm. change and those massive health issues came in and my mum was was trying her hardest to look after us look after dad who'd gone from being a really successful travelling businessman in his youth to now being more or less incapacitated mm. um and yeah, so mum started to take ill as well and from sort of like the age of 7 towards 9 things just were not good. They were really not good because my mum and dad needed so much help. And the way that we earned money was by selling the parrots because we we bred them. So that was the start of my working life. But as a child, you don't know that. You don't know that you're a carer. You don't know that you're working. Uh, You're just living your best life. And and I did love it because I didn't have to go to school. (laughs) So I was like, this is amazing. Like, I love the parrots, love my mum. And and then it just got to the point where it was like, one was in hospital the whole time and then one had come out and the other one had, had, had come out and... 
started like the nurses were teaching me how to give injections to oranges and I look back now as an adult and I think like where were the services that are supposed yeah. to help young people it just wasn't there how old were you here so like about nine ten at this wow. point yeah so um Whoa. yeah that, that that's what happened there and then I did end up going to secondary school for a couple of years and I just really struggled to get into groups. Like, so I was friends with every single group. You know, like when you see these American films and there's all those different types of kids. Yeah. I just kind of like weaved my way in between everyone. Yeah, because I just couldn't find where I kind of belonged mm. and I knew I loved makeup so I'd hang around with the makeup girls but then I loved wrestling so then I'd hang around with the girls that love wrestling and I'm still friends with them now like I'm still in contact with all of those people maybe not as close as I would like to be but you know we still make contact on social media but basically as every year went on it got more difficult to try and sustain a normal school life when mm. reality was happening at home and that reality was was a lot of work so you've got the animals I'd got my, both my parents that that were ill my younger brother and yeah it was um you know we used to have my friends would come round, my local friends one one in particular who's still with me now we're like we've literally lived our lives together and helped me with housework so all the other kids were going to the park and we were doing the housework and we were cleaning out the aviaries and but at the time it didn't feel it still doesn't feel sad but it wasn't a normal everyday childhood. Um, did you feel that eventually? Did you yeah. see what was going on with everyone else and think, oh, this is different? Literally didn't even realise till I was an adult. Really? <laughs> no, I didn't, didn't, didn't know because that no, was just... No services either, sorry. Mm, just... So like social services came in around year 10. Yeah. Uh, well, no, sorry, year 9 because I'd left. I met them once. That was the end of that. Um, and, and by that point, I'd already... I'd already found my dad, was I found my dad dead in, in the house, basically, at one point. So that was like the pinnacle of life change. Um, was that through just his illness and yeah, everything yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, it was just and... deteriorating. But we'd had this like really big surprise party um, when we thought he was getting better. I'm so glad we did because so many family members that I'd never met came and we really did have that party. But then, unfortunately, after that, it was a bit of false hope, really, because, he, you know, the doctors thought he was getting better and then he just had a heart attack and just died. So, and um, it was just, you know, you just think, oh, okay, well, wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that. And I think sometimes people are a bit weirded out the way that I can speak about this so clearly, but I've lived my whole life through this and, and it's been a huge part of who I am today you know and I I know it's this can sound really strange to someone that's listening and probably hasn't been through this kind of trauma but I'm really grateful for every experience that I've had in my life because with warriors I can well, connect warrior. with so many people <laughs> you know what they've been through yeah um so yeah so that's that's how it all really happened obviously that was the end of school then um yeah. So going in as an adult trying to find a job, I'd got no qualifications, couldn't really even read and write properly. So how was, was school's like, approach to this? I, I literally, you know, when I look back now, I don't know how this happened, but I went into school with my mom and said, I'm not really coping. I don't feel like I can connect with the kids my age because at this point I'd already organised a funeral and mum wasn't very well. And, you know, they're talking about going on the park for a drink. I'm talking about funeral organization and home life and wow. money and you know food going shopping so i just couldn't connect with them about 15 16, this was 14 wow. yeah so this was at 14 okay and um i remember going into school having the meeting with the head of year and they were like okay see you later then 
literally like yeah. that was the end that yeah. was it that was done um but then at the very end of the conversation the teacher said look i'm gonna have a chat with the college and there is this like weird way to get young people into college so i'm only year nine and i went to college the following september mm. and i did multimedia so i learned about radio mic filming yeah, <laughs> lights all that sort of thing and um i Nailing was like it. love this yeah <laughs> This is so amazing. And because those people were older, I did actually connect with them. Um, but again, I didn't stay there long because other things were happening and um, my life was changing and uh, I did what I've, what I've always done my whole life, which was put my wings back on and uh, off I went. Really? <laughs> with no qualifications again. <laughs> was that quite a pivotal moment though, being in college? Yeah, it was. I think that a lot of what I'm doing with my life today yeah those small little things and I'm a big believer in like small things having a massive effect can change everything because mm. I met these creative people that I'd never been around before mm. and I was like these are my people like these are so creative and that we did creative writing we did uh, vox pops going out and recording voice and I was just completely like this is the best thing I've ever come across yeah. um and then yeah that that I just sort of went, even though I still loved it. I've never learned what a routine was. So I found it really hard to be getting up in the morning and going and, and actually doing it. Mm. Even though I loved it when I was there, like trying to actually like look at a program and think somebody's controlling my life here. Like I have to be in this place at this certain time mm. was just not for me. Mm. So I was gone again. Do, do you correlate that, uh, you know, amount of trauma you're going through and having to structure so much of your life to why you enjoyed creativity so much and it gives this freedom to explore and be imaginative and think outside of boxes. Yeah, 100%. I think music, so the whole way through um, the the childhood was an organ in, in the back room and an electronic keyboard and I'd found that that was my escape. So so music was was a great thing for me. So when it, when it comes to organising, I went to church on a Sunday, so that was probably the only thing that I really stuck to. But they had so much fun stuff there, like yeah. ping pong and activities and things like that. So if it was fun, then yeah. I could stick to the routine. Mm. And if it was to do with music, I'd be there. But if it was like doctor's appointments or something a little bit serious... I wouldn't be there. Mm. So having a timetable today as a grown-up, <laughs> I hate saying that word, but like <laughs> a kind of grown-up, uh, yeah. the timetable makes me be where I need to be. And because it, other people are affected by that, if I don't turn up, mm. I've affected other people. And still to this day, it's the only way to get me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I said, we're going to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so c what else within that sort of time scale where you... you dealing with so much mm -hmm. do you take away from and attribute to who you are today i think that um going through those different things because like there's there's a lot of things behind there so there was like me finding alcohol there was me finding men <laughs> as a young yeah. women a uh, young woman sorry um all of those distractive things that come into young people's lives seeking sort of validation exactly and, mm. and and i wanted that love so much i just wanted to to build a family really quickly so i got married at 17 <laughs> Married at 17? Yeah, I literally just went and got married to a dancer. Did you have to go to that place in Scotland? the Green. No. Yeah. So, so you're not like, I, 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 no one's ever heard of this, but your parents can give you permission to get married, or could back then. Fair. So, um, <laughs> like, yeah, so that was like 
faster than Britney Spears divorced in six months. But uh, <laughs> he's oh, really he's really cool. And he, like, how old was that guy? Um, I think he was only like two years older than me. Okay, he was a dancer. Sounds like he really was going creative. through some stuff himself. Yeah, I maybe. think so. I think we just both of us were just like, yay, let's Seeking get married. Something. Let's just fix all these problems yeah. with <laughs> with a really big castle wedding. Um, and that we didn't really fall out. We just kind of realised really quickly that that was not happening uh, at all. And um, I sort of, I look back at that time in my life and I I didn't want to go to work, which is just not who I am. I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do anything. Um, And I just wasn't myself at that time at all. So when that finished, which was quite quick, there was a bar in Derby. And I don't know if if anyone who listens to this podcast will remember this, but it was called Coyote Wild. Chrissy will. How how old are you? So I'm 36 now. Yeah, Chrissy's 39. No way. I know. No way. She just looks stunning, isn't she? Yeah, Yeah. amazing. (laughs) 10 years difference. No way. Oh yeah, she's gorgeous. She definitely knows it. (laughs) Oh good. Well, well, I, um, well, basically I just went out and they got a job Back then, jobs were in the newspaper and stuff like that. And I thought, you know what? I've been a dancer for quite a while now because I was dancing in, like, the old Destiny Elite and stuff. What's that? (laughs) So this this is, like... Anyone that's nearly 40 will remember Destiny and Elite. It was like pink coconut. It was like a big nightclub. And we did like fire dancing and all that sort of stuff. Right. And uh, I went off, tootled off to Coyote Wild. And I was like in these auditions, crawling all over the floor. And I thought, I remember this from college, like all these dramatics. (laughs) And I became a coyote. And um, that was definitely one of the best things that ever happened to me really like i found myself so much at that place and my confidence and like dancing on the bar and then i started to think actually i really like working and i think that's when like the work addiction came was that (laughs) i really love this podcast (laughs) do you know that moment there and you were saying before you're in school and you're having an identity crisis necessarily sort of really don't know who you are yeah was this and maybe college was a moment too. Yeah. Was that the self discovery sort of presenting itself and going on a path of who are you? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. It really was because I I'd never really been to kids' parties. So you know, like as a child, you go and do fancy dress and, yeah. and all of these things and you start to learn what you like. Yeah. That wasn't there for me. So one minute I was going to a job interview and the next minute I was dressed up as a cowgirl and I was like, this is amazing. I absolutely love it. And all the attention that came with that because back then people would travel to go to that club. Everyone everyone knew who the coyotes were Mm. and stuff like that. So it did, it made me realise that I loved people, that I actually was a really happy person, not a constantly sad person Um, and that I liked working in a team. Yeah. So all of these things, like I was there for years. I went off and had a baby and still came back. Really? Yeah, I just loved it so much. So, so much. Just a tangent. Can you tell me a bit about that part of your life? Because it sounds wild. The the coyote life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so back then, I mean, you know, there's so many rules and regulations on everything, but it just wasn't like that back then. It was literally like the film, you know, where you're throwing water on people. Yeah. You lie on the bar, people take shots off your stomach, and this was all okay. (laughs) This at like weekends really, or was it? It was open every night, but wow. like Thursday to kind of Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go home. I was just there. <laughs> I was just there, and but it was great because you'd have dance practice. So it wasn't just bar girls that were just getting up and like we had to know the routines. Mm. And I've obviously taken that with me now as a choreographer, and I often look back to those days. And some days, you know, when I'm not feeling creative, I literally take myself back and listen to that music and think. 
oh, those days were just amazing. And um, why doesn't yeah. that exist anymore? I don't know. I remember when the manager came in, it was, it was all going corporate. And the, the big mistake they made was they took the cowgirls off the bar because they said that it was um, time that you could be selling drinks. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? When you start to remove the magic from something yeah. for profit, yeah. it just goes down. And I remember having that conversation with him and saying, you're making a huge mistake. Like, this is like the circus. People come for this. Yeah. And uh, they didn't listen. I bet that happened quite soon, didn't it? It was really of. quick. It was really? just, a, yeah, it's like watching a wall fall down. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah, so that was... Yoink. Yeah. I love that you said take the magic away from it. Yeah. Because that, your niche, your UPS, you need to have 100%. hold of that and run with it. And that's where so many people go wrong, is oh. that, you know, they have this fantastic vision at the beginning of something. Yeah. And then as money comes in and people come in, that vision starts to dwindle. And I'm so so passionate about that not happening with warriors mm. you know and and sometimes i can get really excited with the dance and think yeah I'll put, and then i think no it's this isn't about me this oh. is about them they're the stars and not everyone can do a triple spin so it's removed from yeah. from the routine because that's ego isn't it that's not the warriors that's me trying to show off when they're you the stars of the every, show just once in a while <laughs> <Yeah. though. laughs> just when i'm on my own <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be in that class enjoying it. Yeah. There's that person doing them better than anyone ever could. Exactly, exactly. So you're going from your coyote wild days. Yeah. Then this place has made a terrible mistake. Yes. And it's trying to go corporate. Yeah. Where does Dominique go then? So I actually was dating at the time one of the doormen from that club who is the father of my two beautiful daughters. Amazing. <laughs> so we got married. We were actually married for like seven years, which is what brought me up to this area. Um, because there's a, there's a huge thing with the coyote story is that, uh, it actually became national news. Um, horrific situation. Oh. So one of, there was, all the police were involved because there was all letters coming to the club that one of the girls was going to be attacked. This was really dramatic at the time. So we were all really scared. Mm. Cut a very long story short, those letters were actually coming from the same girl who was getting attacked. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, it was a nightmare. So like, it, it was this big Casanova. It's, it's literally got one. It's it's like, you can Google it. It's a huge story. So... Well, she experiencing trauma herself and then just wanting some form of attention. And... Yeah, she was trying to get the attention of another man so oh. so that he would protect her. Um, but she, simulate, she simulated so many situations that traumatised us girls. Um, it ended up in me finding her... Um, like basically tied up that she'd she'd sort of made up herself and she'd done it yeah whoa total nightmare and bearing in mind I'd already found my dad in that situation in real life it was all traumatizing do you know is she all right now like I know that the they side? sent her for major help cool. so we're not in contact anymore uh, I know that she got the help that she needed brilliant um which is obviously a great thing and I'd like to get her on a podcast one day yeah I mean yeah it would <laughs> be interesting to see what's going on there yeah. I think that the reason that it's important to talk about that is that because of the victim protection, I was moved here to this area and that's how I actually ended up here. So she literally caused this ruckus. Yeah. And people literally got moved to different areas for yeah. the protection. Like we all got picked up in cars and weren't allowed to speak to each other. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. So when my baby was born, I'd got no one to show her to. I'd got no friends. So I remember just I can't bringing even a baby home to comprehend nobody. comprehend this. This yeah, is it's such crazy. a story. It is crazy, but it's how I ended up here. You know? Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts where is that? Is it uh, Alfreton? So right. I, I moved to Summercoats. Cool. Yeah, I moved to Summercoats. Lived there for seven years. 
Um, and again, because of what I've been through, I just didn't want to really have any friends. Yeah. I uh, didn't really want to know anyone. So my first daughter, Faith, who's amazing, it was Beautiful kind name. of like, yeah, I know. Well, you've got to have Faith, haven't yeah. you? So, it's in the uh, song somewhere. It is, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I didn't call the next one Hope or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we came here and um, seven years of just being isolated, really. Mm. I think I went for a couple of walks at Pennytown Ponds, but that was it. I had no friends for so long. Were you sat ruminating then? Were you inside? I just kept going or... over it all the time because like, when I did find that situation there was a lot of bangs and I'm quite sensitive to noise anyway so then Me every too. night since yeah <laughs> every night since if there's a bang I'm just like panic panic straight away so I just didn't want to go anywhere and, and you know what happens when people stay in their homes those problems sort of amplify a little bit mm. or a lot and yeah, a lot. um yeah I just stopped going out stopped seeing people you know, and then of course you get forced as a mom to leave the house when school happens. So oh, there was yeah. the school run and that sort of thing that started to get me out a bit more. Were you doing any self development during this time though? Were you looking at podcasts or books or anything there to help you in this trapment? Nothing. I remember that being like, I think that when people, when I have interviews or when I talk about um, my childhood, I think people think that that was the dark time, but that wasn't the dark time. The dark time was actually being a mum mm. with a baby with no friends and I think that's why I'm so passionate about women now I get quite emotional now yeah. I'm looking at your life that you live in I'm like, yeah oh <laughs> like you know there is such isolation for women when they have babies and I think that it, it just isn't addressed enough because we're supposed to be so happy mm. and the goddess the giver of life and and do you know what it doesn't always feel like that mm. sometimes it feels like I don't recognize this body I don't recognize these feelings this baby won't stop crying and honestly that that can be a dark time wow. I mean that little baby's my best friend you know she's my best friend she's amazing but that still happened and I think to not have someone to show your baby to and say girls my baby or you know no baby shower no nothing am i doing this right even you don't know Literally do you you've got to make your own I was doing. whole system yeah I, I mean i can remember my ex-sister-in-law dropping me off some toast uh that was like one of the best days of my life oh mate i'm not even joking like i just remember thinking this toast and it was almost ceremonial the way i ate it like put tv on and like it was just people are living like this aren't they yeah like, hundreds wow. and thousands of women are living like this and you know i was very blessed in the fact that although i'm not with my ex-partner anymore he wasn't a horrible person you know i can't imagine what women are going through who've also got a situation where the partner isn't helping or isn't really there I can't imagine what they're going through, but it's it's always on my mind when I when I reflect on that time. So I think the work that I could have done at that time, I do now reflecting on that time, mm. if that makes sense. I'm, I'm going to try and lift us a minute because yeah. I, I will end up crashing like we said earlier. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just be a sobbing mess on the floor in a minute. So um, how did you rise through this like what was a moment of you becoming out and about and immerse yourself in are this? you ready for another crazy story because this is like <laughs> mate I, I, I it's the best podcast i've ever done <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for it so yeah I, honestly uh, take us take us away okay so um my brother really made a massive change in my life so he was at willington power station and he decided to just help a friend who was doing photography and they did a photo shoot at willington power station and um Roughly about three months later, those photos ended up in Milan on the table of Mr. Armani. And my brother was signed to Armani and flown out to Milan. What? 
yeah, if that's how we were. We were like, what is happening here? Because we'd, ne- we'd never seen this coming. He was all martial arts and, you know, Photoshoot. this sort of thing. These photos got the way to Armani in Milan. Yes, I don't know how. Does he know how? No, nobody knows how. I mean, like, the news <laughs> were, the, the news were all over it and all sorts. Because at first, me and my mum were like, oh, this sounds really dodgy. Like, he's going to Milan. What's going to happen? Uh, but no, he opened the winter show. And, you know, he ended up in Milan as very top, you know, top, top model for years. And... Um, I, I found myself really interested because he was the first person who'd ever spoken to me about positive energy. I didn't really know what he was on about. And I remember going to my mum's and he was like, no, that's so negative. Like, you need to be positive. And I was thinking... How, how old is he just at? He's two years younger than me. Awesome. Yeah, two years younger than me. Like, the most free spirit ever. He's like... It doesn't really even live in society, so he's like got a van and just goes around. Mate, and he's stop got living a house my and dream. Stuff, What's his I know, name? Vincent Azzo Party. Calm down. <laughs> it's my he's life. Awesome. That. He is awesome. But I, I found myself then speaking to his friends and other photographers, and I'd started like putting people together without realizing it, thinking. Hmm. Hold on a minute, I'm putting a lot of photographers and models together here. This is just through contacts of our family. Mm. So. I opened a modeling agency <laughs> from sort of like from my kitchen in, in summer coats. And it was so interesting. We did like the most creative photo shoots, like looking at um, this is England in the 80s, like the, how things started to change. Uh, quite retro style. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Really artistic and working with photographers all over the place. And it was there was no profit. There was no money. It was kind of like just this creative, amazing journey. And um, one day I went to Manchester to meet another agent. And she was like, how come you're not modelling? I was like, no, 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 no. She was like, no, you really should be. And uh, I ended up getting into modelling. So I sort of went from this isolated, quiet life to then becoming a, a model, a glamour model of all, all, of all models. Wow. I was a glamour model. And um, I just met the most amazing women. Like, that industry is so misunderstood. I mean, there's so much meat in here with your brother and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just... Was that near the 2015 marker here? Mm, no, so that was around 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. Because, like we're saying, the industry didn't accept... or do, It's getting better now, hopefully. Yeah. But wasn't accepting very much then. No. But were you in better shape there? or So, like, my right weight has always use, been or? up, down, up, down, okay. up, down. So... What happened was when you obviously when you have babies, everybody's body's completely different. But I'd ended up with like a lot, a lot of loose skin around my tummy. And when um, I say better shape, sorry, just yeah. to just to say better shape for their vision. For their vision, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I ended up. It's really interesting that you brought this up, actually. So I ended up wearing a steel boned corset most of the time, which is obviously wow. not good for anybody no. at all. That doesn't that like sort of. Yeah, configure the organs totally like wow. literally like how that in historical times I got it on all the time and it became almost a part of who I was I'd like found this character through your choice or yeah through my own choice yeah. I remember putting it on for one photo shoot and then thinking oh, love that and then got a little bit like hyper fixated yeah. and uh, that that was that that became a part of that, that character um so the corset was was this big interest part of the character and and that was really successful for me um you right. know really really successful really and ended up on tv and so what gone sort from, so. if you don't mind me asking yeah. what sort of money are we talking there? is it oh, quite ridiculous really healthy and, stuff yeah it's like a lot a hell of a lot of money i mean really? back then so we're 2009 yeah i was probably doing like one two thousand pound a week a week yeah, yeah. wow and when i had gone from no money at all 
to that. Yeah. So you can imagine the entrapment of that industry trying to get back out is yeah. almost like this is why people struggle to get back out. And this is way before all these famous websites that we all know about. Now. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, why is there so much money in that industry at that time? What? What? Who was buying it? How was it advertisement stuff or? I mean, back then this is old school glamour. So you had to be published. You'd got to have been in Sunday Sport or Maxim or something like that. You'd got to be published. You couldn't just get a webcam. Yeah. It's just, just not how it was. You had to work very, very hard. And I think what people don't realise about this industry is the training that you get. Mm. So you get training on, it's almost like being at the Samaritans. There's so much stuff you can't speak about on, on phones and yeah. things like that. You can't speak about it. And I will honestly say, and I will say this for the rest of my life, I think I saved as many lives being a glamour model on a phone yeah. as I do in Warriors now. Because wow. it's lonely people that call. Yeah. And I think that it's a really misunderstood industry. Okay. Yeah, really interesting. So you're doing the glamour modelling. Yeah. What is it doing to your mind? Because financially, you're stable yeah. and you're good, but you're feeling the need to look a certain way, exactly. be a certain way, and yeah. it's turning you physically yeah. not very healthy. Yeah. What's the mind saying at this point? Completely unhealthy. Like, equally, well, probably more unhealthy than, than what I was doing to my own body, strapping myself into corsets for eight hours at a time. Mm. Um. The, the problem is, is that when you're a person who's so desperate to be loved and bearing in mind, I'm still in a marriage at, the, at this point, you're going to these places, not just for money, you're going for validation. And I guess that's what I was chasing majority of my life was validation was just to be successful in, mm. in any way. But when you want to stop doing that, which is probably around about 20 minutes after you start, <laughs> if you're honest with yourself, yeah. when you want to stop, you need support around you. You need the right people saying, do you know what? You're doing the right thing. You know, you don't have to do this. And when you've got the wrong people around you encouraging you because of the money, it's really, really hard to get out of. Yeah. And that's where I found it. That's where the trouble started for me was that I didn't want to be there for the last like, 18 months of doing it. Mm. And that's where that's where it can become dangerous because providing that a person is doing what they want to do and they're enjoying it, then I don't see a problem. But when somebody's doing something they don't want to do and they're not enjoying it, mm. that's when it becomes a problem. Mm. That... um search for for wanting to be loved and mm -hmm. that validation how far back is it even before your dad's death that yeah. that was coming into play and was there stuff that you can look back at now and be reflective of and go i think there was some trauma there potentially maybe unconsciously being given definitely but still stuff i think it was always there yeah. i think it was always there because i've I have such a vibrant personality. Like as soon as the sun's up, I'm up. And and like, for example, now if I've got a, if I've got a class on a Monday night, if somebody cancels because they're genuinely ill, I still get upset thinking they don't want to play with me. Like you yeah, know, it feels yeah, the yeah, same yeah, kind yeah. of feeling. Um, so I think if I have a kid here, just say I'm bored. I'm like, yeah, that's what? An, a massive attack. I'm like, yeah, I've got about twelve things for you to do. I'm because crying. you've put so much into it. Yeah, exactly. I know and what you're I think. Saying, yeah. Even as a kid, it was like that for me. Like, if I was up and no one else was up, like, that hour would take a thousand years to go past. And mm. that's when, you know, you look back now and you think, I mean, I'm diagnosed with ADHD now. I was not as a, as a child. That's when I look back thinking, no wonder I was constantly bored and constantly wanting to, to do more. Mm. And I think that because just the way that my childhood was there wasn't loads of activity. I wasn't going on holiday or going to kids clubs or going out for tea at my friend's house and things like that. And yeah, I think that it starts very early with a child. Mm. It starts very, very early from them cuddles, reading at night. Very malleable, isn't it? Yeah, it makes a big, 
big difference. And I, as a mother, I try to install as much as I can. And, you know, my mum, I always say all parents did the best job they knew how yeah, to do. Yeah, I love that. Like, I really do. And I think if you... It takes if, a lot of weight off, doesn't it? Yeah. And resentment. For you yourself, it's so helpful to, to know that and, and to, to believe that. And, um, you know, my mum is, is an amazing person. And the things that she's been through are way out of the stratosphere of what I've been through you know mm. she's the the warrior but as a child you you just need that magic yeah you know you need that magic and if the magic's missing then you will constantly look for it mm. and um before my dad got really poorly one thing that he he did do was take me to the circus and that became a lifelong hyperfixation wow. <laughs> to the point you know I have my top hat I work in a big tent uh, there's lights everywhere and that is my escape every day all day I, every I really hour. want to come to one of these classes yeah, you need to come. it is literally like the greatest showman life oh my god you're <laughs> incredible yeah because I'd love to get in the the childhood trauma stuff but yeah. also I'm really enjoying the timeline of the story so we'll go here yeah i'd say um anybody really interested in something of listening to um a psychologist talk about that have you heard of uh, gabor mate i think yes he's on a recent uh rogan yeah and that is possibly one of the best podcasts i've ever listened to really? i've re-watched it three times and i'm going back to it today that's oh, my wow. today plan i'm gonna have a walk and listen again oh, i need to do that just really really good he is 74 is um he was in the wartime as a Jew. His mum, wow. you know, there was so much trauma here. It's just a phenomenal guy. So, yeah, if you're looking at childhood trauma and that generational trauma, it's a good podcast to maybe go to. I'll definitely listen to that. Just as an idea. But, okay, we'll jump back over here then. Yeah. Uh, Modelling. Yeah. Unhealthy mind, healthy pocket. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> that that should be the slogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all been there, mate. Yeah. So, yeah, where does this act... Because your brother sounds like he's ingrained in it slightly and slowly. Yeah. And he's got this really incredible spiritual look on things. Yes, yeah. Where does it transcend for you? Um, I mean, I, I never regret anything. Uh, mm. You know, I would never regret anything at all. And I think that you know, all of these parts of my life, it's almost like looking at different people to the point, there's like a film that I watched once called Big Fish. Have you ever seen it? I'm going to. Yeah, right, that sounds amazing. It, right. So Big Fish, at the very end of his life, I won't tell you the whole thing if yeah, you're going to watch don't. it. Um, <laughs> but he basically says this line and he says, the story of my life, it's unbelievable. And I have never resonated with anything more in my life because when I have these interviews or when I do these talks, I have to stand back sometimes and think, did this really all happen? Yeah. And it really did. And, you know, when you look at that timeline, it is like, it's like I've lived 10 lives in one. Mm. And I'm so grateful of that because, you know, when I see other people still doing the same thing and, and, and just kind of existing, maybe yeah. that, that's fine for them and they're happy with that. I can't do that. Like I have this gypsy spirit. So to be able to have so many lives in, in one go mm. has, has brought me to this place where I am actually happy now. There was a new film out at Christmas that we're doing. It was on a train and every time they go into a carriage, it's like they're taking off 10 years off the life or something. Oh, wow. And they're going into the mist of all that. It's really deep. That and amazing. it was done by, do you ever see The League of Gentlemen? Yeah. The guys that wrote that. So it was done in that quite dark, humid sense of style. Yeah. But I think it is about a similar thing of this generational trauma kind of stuff yeah. and where it's built from. Oh, I can understand yeah. the concept of that, definitely. What's yours called? Big Fish? Big Fish. I'm going to watch that. And it's amazing because every story is true. Yeah. But so, perhaps... Um, perceived differently by every listener is mm. what I'll say 
So Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not ready for this. <laughs> right, catch it all. Um, okay, so we're, we're growing and we're learning from the stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what is next in this timeline then? So after after the modelling, um, there was a, a bit of a break because I... Um, so I'd, I'd had Faith, my oldest daughter. I've got Kira, my, my middle daughter. And um, I was realising at this point that I didn't want to be a model anymore. Like I didn't want to do it. And running equally alongside that journey was the fact that um, myself and my ex-partner just were not anywhere near each other in the, in this life. Could I really. psychoanalyse that a little bit? Like um, what was... We're just completely different people. Yeah. And was he just we a bouncer? Were. Yeah, yeah. So he was a doorman and um, he'd, he'd got another day job as well. But I think when I got into that marriage, I didn't know who I was at all. Like I hadn't got a clue. I was only interested in dancing. That big thing happened, moved here, pregnant, concentrating on how on earth to be a mum. <laughs> then there was the middle bit of oh, I'm going to be a glamour model now. And, you know, that was was good financially. And it was good in the fact that during that agency, I learned a lot about business. I learned how to build a website. Mm. I'd started to use apps on my phone to be able to spell words properly yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And that's always helped me. Technology has always helped me to to do that because I was great with pictures, but really bad with words. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously I couldn't do math, so that the business didn't really go anywhere. But... I started to realise I was really actually really unhappy in probably every aspect of my life apart mm. from being a mum and that was time to end both. Both needed to end at the same time mm. and they did and um, that is when I've got a lovely spider on my mic and he's just enjoying this journey with me. <laughs> Maybe some money spider. Listening in <laughs> intently. <laughs> Literally. Go on, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up going on a night out with my friends and um, I, <laughs> I just wasn't drinking very... I don't drink very much anyway, but I really wasn't that bothered about drinking this night. And um, I th the girl that I was with wasn't that bothered either. So we decided we were more interested in food, which is a normal thing for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, so straight to the pizza shop or chippy. And um, when... Just remember walking down this road in Nottingham and just looking through this window my friend went in to get chips I decided I actually didn't want any by the time I got there so we must have had quite a walk and she just looked out the window and, and I looked and I saw this man stood next to her she come back out and I said oh my god look who it is she was like who is it thinking it was a celebrity now this is the cheesiest thing I've ever said but I said it's the most beautiful man in the world and it was Joe my now husband <laughs> Is he in here? Yeah, he's there. <laughs> Hi, <My> yeah. <laughs> like cameras, everyone on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, it was that it's moment. Like, I've never say. like believed in love at first sight, but it honestly was. Really? Like, literally, from that moment. What was he wearing? Yeah, he was wearing a really tight shirt, because that's what he always wears. Go, Joe. That's got pecs, hair. guys, just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Pops up picture. <laughs> We'll get a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, one minute I was looking at him, the next minute he'd walked out of the, the chippy and, and said, do you want a chip? Wow. <laughs> that so was did the you line. See you staring, basically. Yeah, like, <laughs> he must have. I must have been that, like, that girl that was just, like... Captivated. Yeah. I know that's terrible, isn't it? But it is how it was. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so he gave me his number and uh, I texted him in the taxi on the way back and he started calling me Amber. So I was like, oh, he really listened. This is great. But it was because my, my picture said Amber Valley on the bottom and he'd never heard of Amber Valley, so he thought my name was Amber. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, so that was that. You should have kept that going for a while. I know. No. I know that would have been great. Yeah. Might change my name now. A list. <laughs> but so I met Joe, and um, my life actually really, really did change. So I went and, and rented a house on my own. Now I'd never done that. Never been completely independent before. Mm. Went and got this house on my own, and um, Joe asked if he could come round for tea. <laughs> he came round for tea in a mini with. Drawers, a TV, a wardrobe. Like, he, he didn't come for tea, he just moved in. Yeah. Like, uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely uninvited. And, I've um, got this lovely image of him just popping everything around. Literally. You're just bemused and bewildered, like, okay. Looking out, he was helping with knives yeah. and forks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that happened so quickly. But what, what really happened there is that that thing I've been searching for my whole life, I'd found it. Yeah. I'd found it. And, um, yeah. Joe came on the scene. Joe was a young... yeah. Articulate that. What what was that thing? So at the time, Joe was a PCSO mm. in in the police, and I never really had much to do with the police before. So I was like, oh, okay, that's new. And uh, he was just doing his, his exams to become a police officer. Mm. So I was just like really excited about this. I just thought this is like the this is so exciting. He's really good looking. He's a policeman. I'm ticking all my boxes here. Yeah. I'm so excited. And um yeah we just we just had this like lovely that the best probably one of the best years of my life was the first year of our relationship because it was the first time that I'd found freedom to actually just be me mm. in in every way I wasn't having to go and work constantly I was focusing on myself my home my children and this new partnership and mm. exploring what that could be and um Joe passed his you know his exams and became a police officer and that following Christmas he proposed to me huh. and I was very very happy to say yes mm. and then I found out I was pregnant in March with my my son Alfie, who is the most creative person I've ever met. Um, and yeah, so I'd, I'd had this little baby and I thought, right, what am I going to do with my life now? Because I always need a project. So mm. I'm married again. Uh, I've got I've got a house. I've got a new baby. And, um, but you're in a very different mindset around totally here. Totally different. You're, you're present, you're calm, you're relaxed, and you've got time and space to think about what you want to cultivate. Exactly. Like, I'm calm is the main thing. Yeah. I think there was no... There's no disasters happening. Yeah. Which is unheard or, or, or of. Or like me. subconscious fluttering around, like yeah. lonely and like that's dark all and all that. There's there's no heaviness here. No. You, you're sat in full, I can conduct something, I can create something here. Exactly. With mm. support. Yeah. And that's beautiful. We like sat at night, we used to call it school nights. That we, we just called it school nights, where we would sit and talk all night just talk and talk and talk about our ideas because Joe's quite a creative person as well and every idea that I came up with was always met with support and encouragement yeah and I just hadn't had this before what 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 had you had prior to that and what was the polar of that was it literally not that's just stupid or? money and you know we've got to do this for money and yeah obviously the industry I was in was all about money yeah and um there was no encouragement to ever return back to that which was very important to me at that time mm. so um, so I had a couple of ideas because obviously I'd played with building websites with, with the agency. So I thought maybe I could build websites, but the, the problem that kept coming was the fact that I couldn't read and write properly. So I was having to blag, blag it with clients. I'm finding clients from now on Facebook, building the websites beautifully, but they had to send all of the text and I would just copy and paste it because yeah, okay. there was no way that I could have articulated that into 
you know, I couldn't have done any grammar or anything like mm. that. So I was doing all of that. And um, I've got this little baby and I just heard about the Prince's Trust. And I was like, yeah, well, what is that? Because I'm 28 now. So I saw that you could do it up to 30 and uh, 28, 29, whichever one it was. And uh, I found myself on this bus to Derby and going to the council houses. And I went into this Prince's Trust meeting. Now, bear in mind, I don't go anywhere on my own or do anything. This was a, a big thing for me. And I got there and they gave me this form. Couldn't fill it in. Just couldn't even fill it in. I was just had no idea what to do. I just got this baby, and um, it felt like school again. Yeah. I just wanted to run. Like at first, I just worthless. Thought, Get me out of here. Yeah. Like exactly worthless. Like looking around, thinking, what are people thinking about me? Yeah. And uh, this like really jolly little woman called Jen just come up. She was like, "Hi," and "Oh, hello, baby," making a big fuss of Alfie as well. And um, I just felt comfortable enough to say to her, "I don't know how to fill my form in." She w- so then I was thinking, "Is there going to be a pause? Like, how's this going to go?" She's like, "Don't worry, come and sit on my side. Let's do it together." It was so oh, mate. just like you found your spirit. Animal. Yeah, <laughs> literally, there was just no judgment at all. Do you know her? Like. We're still in contact. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just what a woman. Yeah, we're still in contact. She she is amazing. And I think of Jen and I think how many lives she must have changed, you know, just doing her in her little way. And um, about that um, quote, be the change you want to see. Exactly. Yeah. And she was that. She was that person. And this is why I think it's so important to value every single job. Um, no matter where you work, you're coming into contact with other people. Mm. And just by having that compassion for one person, that, her changing my life now changes many other lives mm. and it's almost like that ripple effect isn't it of um the really good, good gift advice, that. the good gift i always call it you know the good gift yeah if Passing you can on. just give it to wow. someone yeah. and yeah so so she filled in this form and then i got a call and we were going to this thing called the enterprise program so i was like oh like uh five days of people in like a really schooly environment I was like, nah, no way. But I did it. I did it. And um, they helped me to find like adult education for English and maths. And I got to speak to people who'd been homeless, who had then become millionaires and in between. And they were sort of talking about, I remember one man in particular saying to me, you know how you said earlier about having full pockets and he got no family. And he said, I used all of the time that I could have built my life building an empire and I'll never forget him saying this because wow. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I really want to have both. I want I want somewhere in between. And so all these talks really helped me. And um, so I finished the enterprise programme. I went and did my adult GCSEs, English and maths. Then I did British Sign Language, level two fitness and started just building. I got this is new hyperfixation now. So now I'm like, yay, education. I'm so excited. <laughs> See <laughs> so, a shiny thing. <laughs> yeah, it was like my new thing. So I started learning bits and bobs and um warriors then opened you know because really? I'd, I'd got that qualification and uh, just went and rented this little room and with one speaker and one light and a baby <laughs> and i remember driving through swanick one day just the week before i was due to start thinking oh, i don't want to do it i don't know i've just got a bad feeling just is that like it. imposter syndrome kind of yeah thing it was in. absolutely intrusive thoughts just coming in yeah and i can remember where i was driving i know exactly where i was and as I was driving, 
this song came on the radio and it was the playlist because I'd started listening to my playlist to try and know my music. Mm. And the song that came on was We Could Be Heroes. Wow. Like, we could be heroes. The David Bowie. Um, no, it's the, oh, I can't think, I can't think of the name. It's, day, no, it's that everyone thinks of that one first, but it's like a, um, a club version. Okay. I need to find out the name of the person. Um, but she says like, we could be heroes and it goes on. And I just thought to myself, hmm, I really want to be that person. Like, I want I want to go and do this because if I'm this scared, someone else is that yeah. scared. Mm. And I just remember driving then around the roundabout towards Elfton and that thought process going. And I went on the Thursday and did that class, nine, little, nine people in the little class. Yeah. And it was the best thing I've ever, ever done because really? that was the start of my how, life. how long was the class? An hour? An hour. <sighs> An hour, and I couldn't even time myself. <laughs> I hadn't even got five, six, seven, eight. Like, I couldn't get it in my head because I was so nervous. And there was a lady who'd come to my class, stood next to me, and I was watching her feet. So I was watching her go to the music because I was so nervous. I couldn't even time myself. That person's now the director of uh, Community Warriors. She's been by my side every day since. Wow. Like, she's been everywhere with me. And she was the one that was doing the writing in the beginning to help me and well, yeah why uh warriors though the, the way that it looks you got to the prince's trust yeah how have you formulated all your passion all your interest all those things yeah and gone oh this is what i'm gonna go do yeah so because when i originally went to see them it was about the websites yeah uh, but just having so you, you have to go every week and you have like coffee meetings it's all very chilled and i was talking more about the fitness class that i was designing than i ever was the website yeah. and jen just like touched my hand and said i think you're interested somewhere else and i was like yeah i think they are I think they are. Yeah, it's just like, it was so like predestined, you know, yeah. everything just sort of happened. I'm such an emotional wreck. <laughs> like, I'm so sensitive. And when it's you say empath. stuff, yeah, yeah. you just, it, it really gets me because I love mentors and good people in your life yeah. and they can just guide you, can't they? Absolutely. This I, is. I like Russell Brand's book. It's that mentors of, yes, have mentors in your life, but always remember to try and be one where you can too. Absolutely. Gives that balance factor. A hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, those those classes, obviously, that's where we go back to where we started, where the trolling started happening mm. on the internet. And um, Good story always comes back round, doesn't it? It always comes back round. <laughs> and one of the most exciting times of my life was I got, first of all, I got a phone call and we were filmed by Nat West for their advert uh, because of the Prince's Trust. Because the Prince's Trust, they showcase you. They never make it about themselves. Honestly, it's all about the young person. Yeah. So the first experience of like actual real media was, you know, all these cameras coming into Warriors and the Nat West advert and things like that. And then the Daily Mail turned up and it was just, it was getting a lot of hype because I was being written in the papers as the underdog, the mm. underdog. And, and I was like, oh, I like that. They like, need narratives, don't <laughs> yeah, they? Yeah, they But that's a good thing. narrative. I was cool with anything. Like yeah. I was just like, this is great. And then me and Joe went to Birmingham one day and... Um, my phone rang and I wasn't going to answer it because I was in Primark and I just thought, no, I'm shopping. I don't want to work right now. Maybe it's a bill or something. And I answered the phone and it was a royal assistant. Dude, the, the, <laughs> the polarity of you being in Primark <laughs> to speaking to a royal. Literally. Or a royal assistant. Or yeah. Part of the royal. That. <laughs> I thought someone was having me on. Such a good story. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> Go on. How does that conversation go? 
manifest. <laughs> so she was like, hi, I'm a royal assistant calling on behalf of the Prince's Trust. And now I'd already agreed to give a talk in London, in Mayfair, to what's known as the fellows. So the people who give all the money, basically. Yeah. So I was under the illusion that I was going to give this talk to the fellows. What I wasn't made aware of is, until, until this phone call, is that I had been chosen by His Royal Highness specifically to meet with him. Mate. to present with him and he when i got there paired me with the president of coca-cola dude literally it was just insane dude. it was just the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> most in, incredible experience and i remember just keep, keep saying you're joking no you're joking i said have you got the right person and i just couldn't believe it yeah and uh yeah it all went ahead the train journey there was a nightmare so the, the train just dropped us off in sheffield and we'd got like a couple of hours to be in Mayfair so the, we ended up running me and Joe running to this office and all of the people at the train station helping us they upgraded us to first class and I was like I know you're not going to believe me but I'm on my way to see Prince Charles <laughs> and I know they didn't believe me but they, they did believe us in the end and they helped us and we did get there on time but the the most important thing about that experience isn't oh I, I met the future king who's he is now the king isn't he pretty cool man yeah <laughs> he's now the king <laughs> yeah. the most important thing was i was with him for like 20 minutes something like that it was a long time yeah to be talking to somebody that you're incredibly nervous to speak to but at the end he came back and the, the papers got photos of him holding my hand and he said i'm so proud of how you took care of your family when you were so young and i'm so proud of what you're doing now and I, my whole life flashed in front of me thinking you know that little girl who was just constantly looking for that validation if someone had talking said to the future king yeah. is holding your hand yeah. like how does that happen it's like cinderella isn't it? <laughs> it's the wildest story i know from I know. where we've just traveled from it's crazy you holding the hand with the future king yeah yeah and him congratulating you on your whole story and what you've been on yeah oh, don't do this <laughs> oh no oh, oh no i'm so grateful for that wow okay so you've gone you yeah what is that like talk you're explaining the whole thing that you've been doing you have to talk like we did today yeah a bit about your past and stuff too i think my past is really important to people because and that's why i'm grateful for it is that it's important to people of all walks of life because adversity no matter who it is they've been through something resilience yeah yeah exactly and everybody's fighting something and somewhere along that timeline someone's relating with with what i've been through somewhere and it's important for people to understand that even if you do start with nothing not even your own mental health you know not even the confidence to walk with your push chair down the road mm you can be the main stage at the end of it and it can happen to anyone. And whatever you want the main stage to look like for yourself. Exactly. It doesn't have to necessarily be performing to a big audience no. or doing anything there. It could be but getting the job, anything. A beautiful place to be yeah. where you want to be, you're conducting it. Exactly that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's just go to, the, you've had this meeting, you've had your class of nine. Yeah. How long are you doing this until you have the troll moment? Not long. <laughs> Seriously, not long. Like six weeks. Really? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was really quick. So, again, that sort of time frame of meeting the future king, it's really excitement to then being knocked down. So it was the opposite way around. So when the trolling happened before I met... Oh, wow. Him, yeah. So when I first started the class, the trolling started pretty much straight away. I get you. Yeah. And then that was the build-up because people were like... That's that girl that everyone was on about. And, oh, like she, that's that bigger girl. What they always used to say was, she's so normal. 
she's just normal she's just like me that was what people that was the go-to thing because I didn't look like what people knew as a fitness instructor that was maybe slapping their abs or normal kind of um, a compliment. I don't know. I've questioned this so many times. Like, I really you know, like her, yeah, yeah. When people say, yeah, you're just so normal, I think, am I? Like, oh, what's normal? I, like, I, I, I think there know. could be a book in that, but be normal. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, know. It's kind of like, whatever that is, but... Normal to them, yeah. you know, and, and I guess the only way to take that, really, when I look back, is that I wasn't intimidating them. I wasn't trying to push them to be something they didn't want to be or that was unobtainable. It was literally, if I can do it, so can you. Mm. And sometimes that's all you need, isn't it? Is that that girl's got a baby and uh, that that girl's not that fit. Because <laughs> I wasn't. It's interesting. It there's a lot of nuance in there, isn't there? Because yeah. I suppose for me, normal, somebody tells me that, it helps humble me yeah. and alleviate, oh, thank God, I don't have to keep on performing totally. all the time and being something. Yeah. But then... I do want the performance side of thing to be respected and to be loved for what it is. So exactly. normal may not be quite the right word. There's yeah. something else in there, isn't there? To, there is. To add. For, for them. Beautifully normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was, yeah, Did, so that was the opposite way around. Would you say the Prince Charles moment then, the Prince Charles moment was a help in that sort of the fog yeah. of everything going off and people saying stuff yeah. that uplifted you and said, no, look where it's taken you though. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't believe my story. If, if I'm totally honest with you, it's a hard one to believe, isn't it? You yeah. know, you listen to all this and it is a bit like, really? And I know oh, I get every that. Every step of the way. I'm yeah. like, yes, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> I get that. So because obviously people believe the media, sadly, that they'll yeah. believe anything that the media says. And, um, you know, all of a sudden, this girl with all these stories was in the Daily Mail in every newspaper from here to, to wherever. And they wrote my story. And I got so much compassion from that because people were like, oh, OK, yeah, that, that did actually happen then. And I was like, yeah, that did actually happen. And I suppose to some degree, unfortunately, we have got a society where it's based on winners and losers. Yeah. And there's some people that are losing and they think the way to win is to drag people down. 100%. And so they probably have had wild stories and really hard yeah. upbringings and pasts, but they don't understand that they too could take this hero's journey. Yes. They just think it's easier to just pick floor with it and just say, oh, you've had all this, you've yeah. got this opportunity, you're just so lucky or whatever. They Absolutely. don't see all the, the build-up and no, how don't. hard you've had to rise from it. Exactly, and even Notice to this day... luck as well, because luck is a part of everyone's story. Of course it is. You have to be wise to it and run with it. Exactly, and you know it's something... like the laws of attraction. <laughs> oh, well, that's my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I can meet so many talented people who have got fantastic opportunities and they don't hate them. They don't mm. take those opportunities. And yeah, I remember hearing something, uh, let me try and get this right. So hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I always think about that because- well, I heard that from Will Smith's mouth. Once. Is that who it yeah, is? Yeah. yeah. It's probably he's taken it from Socrates, yeah. I'm going to say. No, he was, how I wanted to access my information was always Will Smith. Yeah, I like that. The voice, beautiful guy. Oh no, it's so rusty. I, I wish he hadn't slapped that fella. I know, got <laughs> so it. So unnecessary. I think we all have those moments where we get caught out though. And I think that human. that's human, isn't it? Yeah. In, and I looked at that. I remember watching the public response to that thinking, you know, the only difference there is a camera. Mm. And and mm. when you're under that spotlight constantly, you can't always put your foot right. But but I'm not saying that I agree with what he did. No. <laughs> so it's just that everyone needed a hot take. Yeah. And I think I did actually. So I, I just think 
people need to know it's not always necessary. You don't have to have an opinion on something straight away. Yeah, exactly. Let it do its thing. Yeah. Weigh up your thoughts a little bit more. Yeah, take that time. Take mm. that time. But as far as trolling, I don't think that will ever stop with me. And I, it doesn't. It just doesn't affect me anymore. Do you still have it then? All the time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, all the time. All the time. But you've got to remember these people that, that write things like this, they're probably where I was in that dark, isolated place. You know, because... They don't say it when they see you. Quite mm. often they wave. <laughs> they wave. Or well done even. Yeah. People in person are very different to totally. people online. Totally. So, you know, my advice to anyone who's suffering with a creative life versus the public perception of it is in um, Wreck-It Ralph, the Disney film, <laughs> there's a bit and she says, don't read the comments. The rule with the internet don't read the comments. That's I, I've got um, my thing's called post and ghost. Right. And everyone comes up to me and they're like, "You're online all the time. How do you have a healthy mind? Or how are you living with your family and all this?" Yeah. I'm like, because I put something up and I'm gone. Yeah, don't I look post at it again. and ghost. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I literally, I don't look at what everyone's saying. No. Nope. It's all nonsense to me. Exactly. The same. But I do have a business, so I need yeah. to advertise it and conduct it. Yeah. I just don't want to be consumed in it. No. So that, really that's my to. advice for people. I love that. But I suppose also. I need to respect our business is on a bit of a level now where we, we are being seen. Yeah. There is some funding there and there are pots there and it's being noticed. Yeah. So I think on your rising up, maybe you do need to navigate it and be there with the connections and, you know, be in the inbox or whatever it is. Yeah. Some businesses that are brewing have to have that maturity and that networking element. I'm 100%. just of a lucky place now where we've done it enough yeah. to have that luxury of post and ghost which is great and mm. and i think that's great and obviously i i love seeing your stuff on on Thank social you. media i love what you do it's just it's Vice just everything that i wish was around when i was a kid because i would have walked here this would have been part of my story a hundred percent and that's why i love it so much because when i look at the young people that that i see in your pictures i still think what brought you here Mm. And, and and i love that i love yeah. that everyone has that story and uh there's a saying isn't there about it's just business, it's not personal. Well, I never want to be a part of a business that isn't personal. Yeah. I really don't, you yeah. know, and I think that when I you have these visions... No. So formulated. Yeah. Well, that's how they take the cowgirls off the bar, isn't it? Yo, <laughs> yo, yeah. Corporate. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, take yeah. the magic away. Take the magic away. Wow. So just to go back in then, you, you've had the nine. Yeah. Mean comment. Yeah. Then 45 come in. Yeah. And it's just exciting and electric and you've seen something and you, you think there's vision beyond this. Yes. How, so what, what time frame's that? That's the 2015. So 2015, the trolling was happening. Yeah. Um, then got into the usual fitness wars with other fitness instructors. That's just normal with this yeah. industry. Um, so that created a new drama. That was the new EastEnders for the town. Nice. So everything works, everything's advertising. And uh, it almost became a little bit like the 1980s dance cult, you know, like, meet me on the dance floor. Yo, so. Yeah, in the South Park on this recently. <laughs> yeah. Come, they're all having dance-offs and stuff. Literally it's like that. favourite episode, that one. Yeah. And that, it helped me you to always served. think about it. That way. Yeah. <laughs> like, bring it on. It's always helped me to see it in, like, car- I see things as cartoons or animals. Yeah. Like, it's really weird, but I, like process them in my mind as an animal or a cartoon yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. i love it i've got more of mine as well (laughs) um 
And so I always saw it as like a bit of an 80s dance battle. But what it did was it brought even more people. And for the other people, they got more people as well because it was all a bit exciting. So, like I say, you know, my rule has always been don't open another class till this one's full. So you fill one class, you open the next one, the next one, the next one. And um, we moved to the Genesis Centre in Alfreton. And I remember walking in there thinking, oh my gosh, it's the circus. Because it's an indoor marquee. Yeah. <laughs> so I just like literally ran home. Same day I'd viewed the room. I was like, can I bring my lights and my projectors and my lasers? I just needed to see it. And I looked in there and I thought, I found it. I found it. This is this is it. This is the, my whole life has led to this room. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, as soon as I opened the classes, like the classes are never like what you would see in a, in a normal um, gym or anything like that. So everything I do is is distractive. So they don't really know they're doing hit because they're in the middle of a circus class, or they don't know they're doing. Uh, a routine dance because I do break poetry. everything down. Is it really? Yeah, I just I trick them that. into it. Yeah, perfect. And that's you the like thing. lyrics? Yeah, yeah. Well, start writing me some lyrics down. Yeah. Dot dot dot. Turn them all around. Hey, you got your own poem there. Exactly, and it's so, from your mind, isn't it? Yeah. And, like when I teach a dance, I teach it in. So if where you go to dance school and they'd say your posture must be this way and da 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 da, I'll tell them to, to go look for a sugar daddy. <laughs> so they'll go look for a sugar daddy and they've got all that sass and you just use it distractive, distractive ways. And is then that is end, that a practice then? Distractive practice? Like, definitely. Is I it? think I think because yeah, so. I thought we'd invented some of that. Oh no, we have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to release this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Distraction is everything. Yeah. But so so that's what it is, and the classes are, are very out there. They're really out there. So, you know, it'll be RuPaul one week or Wicked next week or last week was Moulin Rouge and we've got 70-year-old women turning we've done up a in Disney fishnets. One. Yeah, we've done our Disney one is at the end of this month, but it's dark Disney. Is it men and women? Men and women, I, yeah. I'm coming. You've got to come, honestly, yeah, honestly. <laughs> So much fun. Oh. So it's terror in Wonderland. So we've got like live scare actors and everything. And obviously you're going to burn calories when you're running away from <laughs> from a monster. Yeah. Um. And that's how it happened, you know. We we never stay the same. Everything's different all the time because I want people to be excited. I don't ever want it to be a chore. You should never come to the same class twice with me, ever. We well, can't because I can't remember what I did last week. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember anything. So it's never the same routine. Everything's very on the spot. And that works for them because they don't have to come from their important job to an important class. It's just... A free for all. Paint me more of a picture of this night. Is it laughter and yeah. energy and Singing. just things spilling over? So you you're shouting pretty much as soon as you get in because like we have we do like squats and it's we call it the roar. So the warriors roar is like Rah! so if you're new, you've just walked into Warriors. <laughs> Everyone's screaming. You're like, what is going on here? But I can tell you honestly, the first time every single warrior did their first roar, I don't miss it. I, I look. And uh, that moment, that's when you know that they're there to stay. And you see the little person inside. Uh. And it's just, I live for that. I literally live for it. Because some of those people who come, have come from a place where they have been oppressed and they haven't used their voice. So our motivation is never run faster. It's always shout louder. Uh, you've been honest that you've built something that just can't be replicated. Because it is so you. Everything in this, your whole story is built to this moment. Thank you. It just feels so a print on it that yeah. is Dominique. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you. Everything you're explaining here, and I know I know the story, 
it feels so right what you're explaining to me. Thank you. Beautiful. I appreciate that so much. It's awesome. Um, so how many have you got in these classes? So um, each one's different, but you're looking usually around 55. Yeah. I think the biggest one we've ever had was 120. And I remember looking out thinking, that can't happen again. <laughs> Mate, yeah. That, <laughs> that can Like what we were talking before we did the podcast, yeah, yeah. but me sort of really learning business and then yeah. starting to go... I know I hated school, mm. but the little bit of system here yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then you start pick and mixing, don't you, to try and refine it and build it to what your stamp is, Yes. but procedure around it. And I think that's why it's so important to have a team, honestly. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Because one, it helps with ego, right? And, and I always think that when you're doing a really creative job and you're a really creative person, it you get flooded with all this praise mm. and um, it's not always helpful. Like I did have that moment of like diva fever, but my team are, they remind me that I can't, I, I can't do all of that on my own. There's too many people. There yeah. is too many people. The, the lights, the setup, it's like watching the circus go up and down the way they take it up and down. I can't do what they do. They're so organized. Wow. I'm not organized. I'm just in the moment. Yeah. And I think that that's where your team's so important because I bet you're like me and the fact that you find it hard to say no. <laughs> mm, hey, I'm dealing with it at the minute. Yeah. In different threads. Yeah. Um, totally get but it. But it's really good. It's really healthy. Like, I know myself now. I trust yeah. myself. And I can have them uncomfortable conversations. But maybe because I've seen a, a leader in an authoritative position manifest itself too sharp all the time. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm just so uncomfortable in that. I don't want to do that. No. But I can see the benefit of having that in context where the element's right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally so know what you mean. So I'm yeah. learning from that and implementing it a bit more now. Because, yeah, my, my other side character would be like a people pleaser. I yeah. just want everyone to feel happy, everyone to be good. We're on it, we're on it. Yeah. And then as soon as it wasn't on it, just bury my head. Totally. Yeah, not and, get there. And take it so personally. Mm. I get that pain when the class is not full. Yeah. So like I'll look at the booking status, what I call the booking status, and that's when these numbers just dominate my life. Even now, even now, and I take it so personally, and I think, Dominique, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Awful pun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. Sorry. That's funny. <laughs> but I do, and it goes back to that, I know, I know where it's from. I know it's because I didn't get to go and play with my friends, and I still want everyone to come and play every night, and I didn't have birthday parties, and you know then I'm like take it really personally mm. even though it's a business so that's my biggest thing is working through do you know what maybe they've got real things on this week that they can't get yeah you know um but yeah <laughs> so it's that um just constantly doing what you do as best as you can do it yeah and the good stuff comes doesn't it exactly so is it, yeah. as soon as you do it in any walk of life if you're just focusing on the numbers or you're just focusing on a very small part of it and yeah. you forget, like we said, the magic. Exactly. The numbers will end up becoming that because you focus your energy down there. 100%. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And um, I've definitely learned that over the years that if there's 50 people or there's 10 people, it's about the people who did turn up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's something that's really important. As a performer, like, sort of, I do the spoken word and more musical style stuff. And I, that was much more my story maybe f two or three years ago. I still do talks yeah, and go to schools, but I don't go for stages anymore. Yeah. But I had to have that moment. So for five years, I was performing every night, Bristol, Brighton, London. Yeah. And 
it was the rooms that were with 10 people in that I actually got a Glastonbury slot from. Wow. Or I got like a download slot or something like that. Yeah. That is just a music lover is in there or a teacher was in there. Yeah. And they were like, you have to come here. Yeah. Like, I want you to teach these lads or I want you to do this thing. Yeah. So, That's yeah, it, it was, but that was that attitude there of just do your best, like perform like you're in front of a thousand exactly. people every time. Yeah. And you know, my mum used to say to me, because she was a amazing performer you know, before the, the illness and things like that, she was on tour with UB40. Wow. And she always, I know. And she always used to say to me, when you're on stage, this was before I was ever on stage. So she used to train me as if I was on stage when I wasn't. <laughs> She'd say, when you're on stage, there's always one person in the crowd who's completely into it. Sing to them or talk to them or dance for them. That's good. And I still think about that all the time yeah. because like you said about that room with 10 people. So I was I was scouted to to be a national presenter for a program I wasn't even interested in. So I, I wrote this program which was like toning on a map. Yeah. Just to fill a space on the on the timetable and that was the one that got me the break. Really? After spending so much time building these other programs. Yeah. <laughs> it is always that yeah. the case, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's crazy. <laughs> really good story. <laughs> Thank mate. you. Um because I've got to go and film another guy's podcast today. Yeah. I, I should have booked in a lot more time, shouldn't I, realistically? Because there was moments where I thought, meet, 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 meet. Yeah, There's yeah. so much to go down. Yeah. I love the the trajectory we took. Because I felt we went enough into the, the timeline. Yeah. But there's probably segments where we could turn into podcasts totally. themselves. Yeah. So if you'd be up for coming back. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd love, I'd to. love to, to go and investigate more into your life. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, But yeah, just for the listeners and stuff, uh, where, where are you heading with the Warriors? Is it where it's at now? Is optimal and you just live in it? Or have you got vision? So it's it's great as it is right now. Like it's, I love how it is right now because we've got instructors all over the UK doing their own thing, and then we've got the headquarters in Alfreton at the Genesis Centre. Um, but my vision <laughs> is ridiculous. But I love ridiculous things. Please. Um, I literally want a circus tent. So yeah. I, I really, really want warriors to end up in a circus a real circus tent where people can come and learn circus skills and or have a wedding or glamp or stay over and and take it out into the wild where it belongs (laughs) because it just can't be kept inside um so so that's something that i'm looking at and obviously i love skating because we we have roller skating as well so for my vision i want like a big dodgems uh like movable rink that we can move around and that's Big field out there. I know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I want to take it out. I want to take it out there and I want it to be more accessible because even though we have got funding and things like that, when we go out and do our demos, so we go out with like 40 women screaming on fields and that is where the lives are saved because that's where mm. that person who is in isolation sees those voices or hears those voices and thinks, I need to be in that room. I need to be in that place. So for me, it's always a vision of not how much bigger can it get, but how much more can we get out there and, and find those people who need us. We've found what we do really well, but we need to spread that now. Totally. And manoeuvre with that. Yeah. But at least we've got the thing. Yeah. Oh. Uh, mate, I, when you were talking, I was like, there's some cool stuff we could do together. I know. There's a lot of amalgamation here that we can do. It's amazing how it happened. How, yeah. like... Our worlds just went. Oh, actually, oh wow. I'm I bet that's gonna that be loud. In. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hope you haven't crashed your car just. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
if, if people are as captivated in this conversation as I am, yeah. and then I just did that, oh, I no. feel like I've just tricked everyone now. You might have been meditating, like, just listening Honestly. to it. Honestly. Yeah, but that's mm. it. Always be aware, guys. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be tuned in <laughs> if you drifted off. Um, uh, but, yeah, I do. I think that is it's called a centrifugal. I found I've that recently. I've heard that word It's before. a good word. Centrifugal. I think it's where... Like the universal thing, but like where it gets real, like into this point of nothing else can exist, and then it just opens up oh, to something wow. else, something other. I need to go and Google and read all. It, about it was that. a guy that we aren't friends at all anymore, right. but I've took that one thing away from him. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Do you know what? Do you know something that's so important? And that's like that friendship in essence. Yeah, it yeah. is, and you meet everyone for a reason. There you go. Yeah, I Mate, love that. This has been stunning, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, yes. Please tell everybody where they can get in touch with you. They can listen to your everything. You're oh, you're thanks. skilled at this. You've had your radio <laughs> days and that. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, you can find us on Facebook on Community Warriors, or um, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to to link you in, into ours as well and get our our oh, people to, to find you guys as well. So uh, Dominique Parlet on Facebook. Just we don't do big websites or anything like that. It's all really organic. So. Yeah. Yeah, just find us on Facebook. Come and have a chat. So it's it. it's to find it is Community Warriors. Yeah, so Community Warriors or Dominique Parlet. Don and go straight to you. Go just straight. Go to the source. <laughs> you might not get a reply straight away, but you will get a reply eventually. I, I, yeah, honestly, I'd love to get you back and do more because the social media thing there, like having to be on demand and yeah. people expecting this thing of you all the time. I know that's it's the big thing. Tiring, isn't it? it but is. I reckon. We're on similar paths. Yes. And we could have some cool podcasts about how you manage that. That that would be amazing. Business management and all that kind of thing yeah. would be a good next one for me. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Mate, thank you so much. No, I'll do my bit. Thank you so much. Guys, you've been a part of the Old Farm Bus, Back of the Bus Sessions podcast. I've really bloody enjoyed that and I'm going to leave you on this. Just be nice to one another, you beautiful set of buggers. That is literally all you've got to do. Just be nice. See you later. Cheers. <laughs>